0: I'm finding a common pattern amongst books on this subject that I'm really not enjoying. Welcome my mere mortalites to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron and I do these book reviews for those who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality to gain some knowledge, something interesting, some deep perspectives from the books that they're reading. Today it is a Unusual one, but it's not too crazy from me. It's a subject I've explored many times in the past. It's on Buddhism, and this is called "The Heart of the Buddha's Teachings" by Dick. Han. This book was published in 1998 and it's about 280 pages in length. It contains the ideas, philosophy, teachings, learnings, doctrines of the Buddha and of Buddhism as decided by Thich Nhat Hanh. Now it's split up into four separate categories here. Part one, the four noble truths, part two, the Noble Eightfold Path, part three, other basic Buddhist teachings, and part four, discourses, with all of these having many numerous subchapters within. The type and style of writing is very reminiscent of other Buddhist books by people such as the Dalai Lama or other Buddhist monks. So usually it is translated from their original language, in this case I believe it was Vietnamese, and also has this component of the spoken word of discourses. So the Buddhist teachings, for example, and you'll find many within this book, is that he is relating stories to his disciples about some aspect of Buddhism or some learning that he has gained from his own meditation practice and whatnot. Very similar, there are stories from Thich Nhat Hanh's life of his own disciples in Plum Village or these other places, which he then relates and I suppose expounds upon and, and really focuses in on one of the Buddha's teachings and then just really grows it out from there. So many of the chapters are related to small stories that he has and is expounding upon of yes this is why this teaching is important and you can see this use in this scenario. Touching upon the author not only does Thich Nhat Hanh have a very cool name he also has a very cool life. So he was born in 1926 so as of Today, 2021, he is 95 years old. Mad props for living to that age, my friend. And also he has had a very turbulent life, I guess you'd say. So he was exiled from Vietnam around the era of the Vietnamese War. And he ended up settling in France and founding his own monastery called Plum Village. And he is an extensive writer, has many, many works and has been in the forefront of something called engaged Buddhism, which is, I think it's sort of like reinterpreting the Buddhist ethics and moral codes and putting it more into an everyday situation life in the modern world with technology and things like this. Onto the main themes. I'm going to split this up roughly how it is in the book based on page count and also on the contents page. So the first two parts which is the Buddha's teaching the core doctrines of Buddhism. Now the first I guess is the four noble truths. So what are these truths? I've written this down in roughly easy to understand language. So the first is there is suffering so this is dukkha so no matter what you cannot argue that there is some sort of suffering in your life you're always going to be wanting or desiring something more there's always something more that you need from life and this is can be acute suffering so you know the pain of losing a loved one or something like this or even just the general everyday suffering in life where it's like oh man i wish i had this little thing or this could be better that sort of thing almost self-consciousness you're aware of yourself you're aware of the future and you're aware that bad things can happen good things can happen as well but there is suffering so that is the first noble truth the second is we create our suffering so most of the suffering in our life is not from physical pain from people hurting us it's not from the environment really doing bad things to us although that can happen most of it is suffering in our own head so this is maybe i have cancer or i have the thought of having cancer and it's that's what's eating me away because the pain in the moment really isn't that much pain and if you look into it deeply if you do enough meditation pain is just as ephemeral as any other object that we have in our life so the second noble truth is there is suffering that's the first and then we create our own suffering through our mental thoughts the third is we can cease suffering so it's actually possible to stop this process happening to get liberated I guess if you want to call it in that way from our own suffering and this is by doing things such as meditation this is by examining the core precepts of Buddhism practicing in everyday life etc cetera, etc cetera. that's the third noble truth and then the fourth is the way that you can do this is the path and so this is the noble eightfold path that's the way to cease suffering with the noble eightfold path this is where it starts to get tricky and I'll read it out how it's written in the book so first we have right view, right thinking, right mindfulness, right speech, right action, right diligence, right concentration, and right livelihood. The tricky part is that there is these eight connected rightnesses things. So it's really you trying to act in the world in the correct manner, in the right. I guess you could also say true is another adequate translation from this. And the problem with this is this is where it starts to get into the more subjective things. So the ordering of these for example which one do you start with well you're sort of meant to start with all of them simultaneous but also you need to focus on one so this is where it's like okay do I believe this buddhist person or this buddhist person so in this case Thich Nhat Hanh has written it out in his view of the rough order that you should do it in and there's also weird stuff where it's like this is all of this is being translated from sanskrit obviously which is where the buddhism was originally written in i guess and and communicated in and so the words and if you go online and look up you know what's the noble eightfold path you will get different words so for example you can have understanding versus view so right understanding versus right view There's also this self-linkage within of, you know, to have proper right understanding or right action, you need to have right view. And it's like this linkage goes out in each way. So you really need to focus all of on them simultaneously understand all of them simultaneously and put them into action simultaneously very complicated and this is why I guess you can spend many many years decades a lifetime studying Buddhism and still feel like there is more to be gained this next part wasn't emphasized but it was contained within the four noble truths and the noble eightfold path and I wanted to talk about it because it, for me it really emphasizes the I suppose core precepts the core doctrines of what is in Buddhism and what they shouldn't do so this is the five precepts or the five mindfulness trainings. It has two alternative versions of how you want to say that. So the first is no killing and no violence, essentially. The second is no theft. And this can be things like fraud or forgery. In the no killing section as well, this is where you will go to a Buddhist temple, for example, and you're not allowed to kill an ant or spray a fly or anything like that because they believe of the sanctity of life in all of its forms in the, I suppose, animal kingdom and animal Animal realm and this links to some other things related to karma and the rebirth cycle and all of that the third is no adultery which nowadays is, is more translated to no sexual mis- misconduct so being very I suppose, aware of what you're doing sexually with other people because that can get very, very messy. The fourth, no lying and gossip. That's relatively simple. And the fifth is no drugs or alcohol or really any type of intoxicant. So this is the five precepts that the Buddhist people should not be doing. The second part of the book goes into some of the more nuanced areas of Buddhism. So I've called this the heart, other basics and discourses. Now, one thing you'll notice with here is there is a penchant for numbered list and so i'm going to give a a couple of the chapters that are contained within these sections so we have the two truths the three dharma seals the three doors of liberation the three bodies of buddha the three jewels the four immeasurable minds the five aggregates the five powers the six paramites the seven factors of awakening the 12 links of interdependent co-arising there is many lists and many linkage things like this so they really enjoy putting this sort of stuff down We'll also find in this section the discourses. So these are direct teachings from the Buddha to his dikkus uh, or bhikkhus, I should say, which is, I believe, his disciples, I think that's the Sanskrit way of saying that. So these are things like the turning of the wheel of the Dharma, the great 40, and right view. So these are real expounding from the Buddha of him talking directly to his disciples and saying etc etc this is how this is done this is why you should do this thing this is why this monk failed in this respect and he you know was suffering because of this also contained with this section are things that are typical in buddhism but not super clear Uh, for example in this there are no super clear chapters of this is this part but he will reference it within a paragraph or within a chapter and say oh yeah and this is also due to this thing so some of these are dependent arising so this is almost like Everything that comes up in life, every action was dictated by the actions that came before that, which is a pretty core precept. Things like the three jewels. So this is almost how you should view prayer. And when you are struggling within your daily life, this is where you want to find refuge. So it'll be within the Buddha or his teachings or within your community, things like that. There is the liberation and nirvana. So we have all heard of this. This is almost finding enlightenment in a way karma so this is looking more at the rebirth cycle and saying if you do bad things in this life this will come back to haunt you in the next life, so don't do bad things, etc, etc. And not self and emptiness, and this is more linked to the meditation aspects of Buddhism. Onto my personal observations and takeaways. You might have noticed in the theme section that I did a little bit different than I normally do, because I normally include my own thoughts on the theme that arises from the book, or how this relates to me in my everyday life, or a story that I found that highlights this aspect of it. However... This is done for a reason because it's written in a very assertive way. I was sort of just repeating what was going on and what is believed in Buddhism. And that's because Thich Nhat Hanh in this book was very assertive. There was no modal adverbs, for example. There was no saying, this might be true, or this is probably this, or et cetera, et cetera. So those words of might, probably, they weren't there at all. All of it was written in a very assertive, this is the truth, and It doesn't necessarily say you have to believe this but obviously if you're reading the book well it's sort of implied that this is exactly what Buddhism is. This is exactly what the Buddha said and these are the truths of the world. So one of the things you'll notice while reading these types of books is there's not much of I guess guesswork involved, they are very committed and very sure of what they are saying. The problem with all this assertiveness is that there is no real logical understanding of where these come from. It almost feels like they're just random truths that are being spit out there. And so I really find it hard to say, like, okay, where did this actually come from? Are you just repeating this because the Buddha said it, you know, 2000 plus years ago? What, what is the understanding behind this? Where's the logical steps where I can look at this and go, ah, oh, yeah, that makes sense? What really drove this home for me was on page 76 and the, once again, pension for numbered lists comes up. So, within one page, one page people, you will find that there are 51 kinds of objects, that there are seven factors, factors of awakening, you'll find there are five kinds of meditation and you will also find that there are 18 elements related to the different realms. All of this popped up within, you know, one minute of reading a page and so I just went I understand none of this where did all of this come from and how am i meant to you know mentally put that in my formation of what buddhism is and what you're trying to relate which in this chapter was on right mindfulness like it, it just was overwhelming in a way of unhelpfulness my final observations links to what i was talking about at the start which is this pattern that seems to be recurring in many buddhist books and which is I feel they're just written poorly. I just feel they're not written in a book format. So, for example, Thich Nhat Hanh on his Wikipedia page says that he has published more than 130 books. Now, this roughly equates to, let's just say, two books a year in his you know, working lifetime of you know the 70 years that he's been alive from 25 to 95. That's a lot of books per year. And it's really hard to say like, okay, was this a really well thought out structured book that he's put a lot of time and effort into to make clear to try and get his point across? Or was this just taken from one of his many speeches from one of his many sayings and just, you know, really just blurbed out there into a book format? I feel it's more that so I've written down what I have yet to find is a clear, non-translated, well-structured, visually aided basics of Buddhism. I've really yet to find one of those books. And, you know, maybe this was a book that he spent a lot of time and and energy and effort and all these things on. But, you know, that's one of his 130 books. So, is my chances of that really being this the one? I, you know, probably not super good. So, that's really what, what gets me about these Buddhism books. They're all just really couched in this confusing language and I think the main problem with that like the root cause is the books aren't written with a lot of care understanding practice in English for an English reader they're really translated they're chucked out there and it's like here you go this is you might get some understanding from this but you'll probably have to read I don't know 50 of these books to be able to piece together all of the interconnecting weaving webs and there's no like hey this is a simple explanation of the Four Noble Truths. There's a simple explanation of this. So that's just one thing I've noticed in the, you know, couple of Buddhist books that I've come across, you know, the five to ten that I've read in this last year. There's just been no clear, hey, this is it. So in summary, nothing really distinguishes this from any of the other Buddhist books I've read from another monk such as the Dalai Lama. I found it disordered and to be honest, I just really struggled to get through it. It just was very verbose in parts there was yes, understandings and learnings and teachings from the Buddha, but it just not presented in a way that made it really stick in the mind and made it open and available to an English reader, I would say. so I struggle with that, and it does contain all the core info, I suppose, but honestly, I think you'd be better off just going to Wikipedia and reading the Wikipedia page as it highlights it better and is written by a person who really knows their English and really is not having to filter through another language and things like that. So, The Heart of the Buddhist Teaching by Thich Nhat Hanh, I'm being a little bit harsh, a 4 out of 10. I personally didn't enjoy it, but maybe some other people can get use from it. Okay, my modelats. thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. What are your thoughts on The Heart of the Buddhist Teachings? Have you read many Buddhist books and found the same pattern of the translation from another language, the spoken word being put into the written word and not having that care deliberation that you'll find in many other books. I would love to know that. Easiest way to do that would be actually via the Instagram at Podcast. But if you do it by Boostergram, I will read out what you're saying here and put it on one of the episodes at some point. I'm probably going to put all of the Boostergram messages into the monthly recap i think that's the most appropriate forum to put all of those so if you're wondering why i haven't spoken it it's because i put it in there other than that i really do hope you have a fantastic day wherever you are in the world current out